Amen. All right. You may be seated. And we've got some great children's church workers. If you've got some children that would like to go and have a good time, Miss Cindy and her helpers will meet you at the door there. And uh, give our children workers a big hand, always working so hard. It can be a thankless job, amen, but we want to thank them. And uh, please be f uh, free with your uh, words and thanking them for all they do. Uh, I got a warning for husbands, wives, daters. A week from today, what is it? Valentine's Day, all right. So I'm going to do a couple of sermons today, and then I'm going to do one to, uh, next Sunday. Next Sunday is going to be kind of more specific towards uh, marriage relationships, dating relationships, love in that sense. But I thought what I would lead it up with today is talking about love the way Jesus loves. And it's like, well, this is Valentine's Day. It's more about love between spouses, love between people who date. And I want to tell you today, you can't really know how to love your spouse or how to love that person you're dating or really how to love anybody in any relationship until you learn to love like Jesus loves. And the hard part about learning to love like Jesus loves is, it's just what it says on the screen, it is loving the unlovable. Now, it's easy for us to love the lovable, isn't it? It's easy to give love when love is reciprocated back to you, all right? But it's another thing, and it's a harder thing, to love those who have hurt you, who have wounded you, who maybe have done hard things to you. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off with just, I'm going to just tell you some stories from my life uh, because that's the only life I've lived. I can't tell stories from your life unless you give me permission, and I would be glad to do that. Uh, but uh, I'm going to share stories from my life, and I'm going to start off with kind of a story that you'll think, well, th that should go with next week. But I want to kind of lead up to it because at the heart of it, it shows us why we don't always love the right way. Now, I am, by nature, not probably, I'm looking at my wife over here, the most romantic person in the world. Um, but I believe one year, one, one year, we've been married 35 years, it'll be 36 this summer, uh, 35 years, and I think at least one year on our anniversary, I got it right. Uh, we had our 25th wedding anniversary coming up, and so I knew that was the big one, you know, and so uh, I did this on my own. She didn't even know it. A whole year before, I went to the travel agent, and I booked it, and I paid for it over an entire year, and didn't tell her until a couple of months before we went, but I planned a trip to Hawaii and a cruise while we were in Hawaii. Amen. No pressure, guys. Sorry. <laughs> Greatest husband in the world. I'm sorry. No pressure there. Amen. But, again, I usually don't get it right, and probably out of the other 34, uh, she'd probably say they were all duds, amen. But I wanted to get at least one right, and I felt like the 25th one was probably a pretty important one. So, uh, again, I paid for it all year long, booked it a year in advance, and uh, we flew into uh, Honolulu, stayed on Waikiki Beach for two nights, then went and got on a cruise ship, and they have this cruise ship, and it just hits a different island every single day, and it's seven days. Yeah, yeah, you can, you can applaud if you want to, amen? No, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. So, uh, you know, we went and uh, just uh, had a wonderful time. Again, I kind of revealed it to her maybe a, a month or so before we left. And uh, uh, so, you know, I felt like that was pretty, pretty good, amen? We came back and uh, somebody asked me, well, man, that was pretty impressive, Mark. What did she get you? I said, 
I don't even remember. I don't know if she got me anything. Because, uh, and, and the reason I wanted to tell this story is because many times, even when we're doing the right thing, even when we're loving what we feel extravagantly, did you notice what, as I told the story, what it's all about? It was all about me, what I did. Look at me. I did this. I did it a whole year in advance. Mark Trammell, who plans nothing, amen? A whole year in advance. I paid for it. Uh, the man uh, who can't seem to pay his bill on time, amen? He paid for the uh, entire thing. And we went on it. I kept it a surprise, kept my mouth shut, kept it a surprise right till the very end. That story was all about me. And unfortunately, in the way we love, that tends to be the way it is, isn't it? Even when we think, man, this is good. I am doing good here, amen? It tended to be, even when we got to Hawaii, uh, you know, I kept asking her, are you having fun, honey? Are you enjoying yourself, honey? Uh, you know, tell, in other words, tell me how great I am, honey, because I wanted to see how impressed she was, amen? So even, even in the midst of it, in the entire trip, it's really all about me and did I do good? Tell me how good I did. Did I do good? T keep telling me how good I did. Amen. And I still bring it up to this day. Amen. Even in sermons. I bring it up on sermons to, honey, you remember that 25th wedding anniversary? I might really mess it up this next year, but by golly, I got it right at one time. Amen. So it, it, even when we're loving in an extravagant way, many times it is done with selfish motives. And the thing about it is God sees what we do, but even more importantly than that, Unfortunately, he sees why we do what we do, and he sees the motives behind what we do. And many times, we can have all the right actions, but our motives stink. And our motives at their very root and core are very selfish. And I want to say, thank you. Uh, I, wanted, I want you today to understand, are you loving in the right way? Even when you're expressing love and showing love, is there a selfish motive behind it? Is there a, a need to be approved, a need to get a pat on the back from your spouse? Is there a need for my spouse to pat me on the back every single year because of that one year I got it right? No, there's not. Uh, so I want to tell you today, now that, again, that story may seem like it goes more with next week, but we cannot learn to love until we learn to love like Jesus with no motives no selfish motives, no selfish reasons. I love you simply because I love you. And here's the fact of the matter. I will love you even if you don't reciprocate that love back. Have you ever gone through times in your marriage where you hit a rough spot? If you're married, you have. You're lying if you say, we didn't. Everybody, if you're married longer than a week, you're going to hit a rough spot. Amen. And when you hit the rough spots, it really shows what kind of love you have. When you hit the rough patches, is it easy to just want to bail? When you hit the rough times, is it easy to just say, I want to give up? You know what? I didn't sign up for this. I signed up for the white picket fence and my knight in shining armor and my princess, and I signed up for all that. I signed up for the happily ever after package. How many of you signed up for the happily ever after package? Sure you did. That's what we all want. But here's the thing. We've got to understand love is sacrificial. Love is giving of yourself. Now, here's the thing. You may want to tune me out right now this morning and think, oh, Lord, here comes one of those love sermons. I'm here to tell you love is about being bold 
courageous. It's about being a warrior. And there is nothing wimpy about love. Jesus displayed love in the most manly way possible by expressing it by dying a horrible, terrible death on a cross, taking the place of you and me. That is the gospel. He died for you, he suffered for you, and he paid the sins for you. So in a sermon about love, guess what it is? At the root of everything we preach, we may not always be preaching uh, about the cross every Sunday, but everything is embedded in the cross. And God's love for you and me is embedded in the cross. And I don't believe you can really learn to love like Jesus loves, number one, until you become a Christian. And you understand sacrificial love like Jesus did for you. And then number two, I don't think I really understood the heart of the love of God, the, the, the Father, until I had my own kids. How many of you have had your own kids would relate to that? Listen, I thought I knew what love was until I stood in that delivery room and tried not to faint. And that first child came and I saw the miracle of birth. And I thought, there is no way I could love anything anymore than this child right here, I would give, you know, from the moment that child shows up, I'm willing to lay my life down for this child. I'm willing to sacrifice everything for this child. And I don't believe until that day I really truly understood what sacrificial love is. Because then you begin to understand. When you realize that I love that child. Now, here's what happens with that child. Aren't they so cute and cuddly and they coo and they just... You give them a bath, and they just, you put that baby lotion. They smell so good. Babies are so good. I mean, we got a new grandbaby, and it's wonderful. She just coos, and she's got that good baby smell, and, uh, you know, everything she does is cute. But I'm here to tell you, there's going to be a process, and she's going to start to talk. <laughs> and she's going to start to walk and get into everything. And then, heaven forbid, one day she will become a teenager. Oh. And then she will get her own opinions, and they will become very strong opinions. Amen? And she will, uh, you know, where at once mom and dad were the smartest people on the planet. One day, I don't know when it happens, probably somewhere there around 12, 13, 14, uh, mom and dad switch to the dumbest people on the planet. Amen? And so it becomes a little harder to love because sometimes they're not reciprocating that love back. They're not sending that love back. So we need to learn to love like Jesus loves. How do you forgive something or someone who seems unforgivable? You see, there's an amazing display of forgiveness right on the cross. Jesus, the Son of God, completely innocent, dies between two criminals. All right? And he does it for you and for me. Why did he do it for you? Because you cannot pay for your own sin. You are, let me just cut right to the quick, you are condemned to hell. Don't get a lot of amens on that kind of stuff. You are condemned to hell. I am condemned to hell. Until one day when I realize that Jesus died on that cross for my sins. And he did it for me. And he said, it's been paid for. All you have to do is reach out and accept it. Amen? And then that's when my sins became forgiven. All right? And he expressed his love 
by dying on a cross, and he did it with no applause. He did it with people spitting in his face. He did it with people ripping his beard out. He did it with people flogging him so much it ripped the flesh off of his back. He did it with people pounding his face so much it says they didn't even recognize him because he was beat up so much. He did that for you. No applause, no pat on the back, no nothing from nobody. That is love. That is sacrificial love. That is showing love in the ultimate form when nobody is reciprocating it. There were a few people standing at the foot of that cross. Most of his disciples had said, I ain't going over there. They're liable to strap us on a cross. So they took off. So even at the foot of the cross, even his own people, even the people that loved him while he was on earth, most of them have scattered. So nothing, no reciprocation. Nobody's showing love. Everybody is showing hatred. All right? Let's start with two scriptures. Uh, the first one is Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses 14 and 15. It says this. It's easy to love people when they love you back. But he says this in the scripture. He says this. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Verse 15 says, But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. All right? Do you understand that? That is a harsh, harsh scripture, isn't it? Neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. All right? In other words, he says, if you've got something against somebody, if you have hatred, bitterness in your heart towards somebody, then don't come asking me for forgiveness until you get that right with them. In other words, show forgiveness in the same way that it's been shown to you. Now, I don't know about you, but I've sinned a little in my lifetime. Anybody else in here? Don't leave me sitting here with my hand up. Amen? You, we have all sinned a lot, which means you have been forgiven a lot. Amen? And that means if I'm to show it in the same way that Jesus showed it, I need to show a whole lot of forgiveness. Well, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know how they hurt me. They're even my family member, and you would not believe the things that they said about me. You would not believe the things that were done to me. You would not believe how I was uh, slandered, and I want you to understand, I get that. Look at Luke chapter 23, verses 32 through 34. And this is the picture of Jesus. Nobody loving on him. Nobody caring about him. It says there were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. When they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them where they do not know what they do. If you have your Bible or if you have it on an app, underline that. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and they cast lots. Jesus is ask, asking for forgiveness for what seems totally unforgivable. Nobody's loving on him. Nobody's saying, Jesus, we love you. Nobody's standing at the foot of the cross really worshiping him. It's nothing but hatred. And Jesus hangs on that cross and asks for forgiveness, for they do not know what they do. He forgives sinners. Now listen, it's easy for you and me to say, oh, I forgive sinners, until it's somebody who does that sin against you. All right? It's easy for me to say, I forgive sinners in general, 
until it's somebody who has offended me, until it's somebody who has done something and that sin directly affects me. Amen? And so we need to understand this is how Jesus loved. He loved so much, and he said, I am dying for you. I'm dying. And, and the statement on the cross was, I'm dying for you whether you accept me or you reject me. Doesn't matter. I'm dying for all of you. One thing I can unequivocally say that the gospel is true about in this room right here, for everybody in here, is that your sins are paid for, your sins are paid for, your sins are paid for, your sins. Everybody in this room, I can unequivocally say, your sins are completely and totally paid for. But it's whether you accept that free gift and you live making him Lord and Savior in your life. It's all been paid for. The work's already been done on the cross. He loves you that much. Maybe you say, but I've been wounded. Brother Mark, I've suffered physical abuse. I've suffered mental abuse. I've suffered sexual abuse. Somebody abused me. Somebody wounded me. Somebody took advantage of me. Somebody betrayed me. Maybe you say it was my spouse. My spouse betrayed me. Somebody gossiped about me. Somebody lied about me behind my back. Somebody cheated me. Maybe you go back and, you know, it's a popular thing these days. You go to the psychiatrist, a secular psychiatrist especially, and they'll tell me, uh, they'll tell you, well, what did your mom and daddy do? Did the toilet train you right? Everything goes back. to It's easy to blame mom and dad. Listen, you can play the blame game all day, every day, and it ain't going to fix nothing. You've got to quit blaming people, and you've got to say, you know what? I'm going to forgive, I'm going to forget, and I'm going to move on. Well, what if they don't want forgiveness? doesn't matter. Your part is to impart forgiveness whether they want it or not. Well, you don't understand. My parents never loved me. My dad left me. I was five years old, and my dad Took off, never came back, never was a part of my life. You saying, I got to forgive him? Yes, I'm telling you, it's going to eat you up inside. It's going to ruin your life, and it's going to be a root of bitterness in you if you don't get over it and you don't forgive and move on. That is loving the unlovable. It's a totally different thing, you know. Oh, yeah, I'll forgive sinners as long as they sin against somebody else, but you don't understand, this was done against me. Somebody sexually abused me. Listen, it is rampant in our culture, and I understand that, and I would not wish that on anybody. None of us should wish that on our worst enemy, but I'm here to tell you that whether that person is sorry, ever asks forgiveness, if it, if it ever comes back to you, it doesn't matter. You've got to get past it for you. You've got to experience forgiveness for you, not for anybody else. You've got to be able to move on and make yourself better for yourself. Amen? And I don't care what kind of abuse you've sat at the hand of. I'm here to tell you, God will deal with that person. Amen? But you, for your own mental health and your own spiritual health and your own physical health, you've got to learn to forgive and move on past that. This is why forgiveness and loving the unlovable is so important. I have to forgive even when it's hard, Mark, even when they don't deserve it, even when they've done terrible, terrible things to me. Yes, 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 you've got to, you've got to. So let's look at it. And then here's, here's the last thing. Maybe today the one you're really mad at is yourself. Maybe you're mad at yourself. Listen, this is way more common than you think. 
Some of you, your biggest problem, maybe you think you're mad at other people, but the person you're really mad at is right here. Listen, I know many, many people, and I may be talking to somebody in this room here today. I felt with this number of people, I'm bound to be talking to somebody. Some of you want to play the victim all your life. And you cannot play the victim. At some point, you have to stop being the victim. And you have to say, you know what, Lord? I've got to get past this. I've got to move on because I'm living my life as a victim. And I've got this bitterness living in me. And it's eating me alive. And I can't move on with God. I can't get past this. I can't move on things in my life. I'm at a standstill in my spiritual life. It's like God seems a million miles away. And I can't get to him. And it's because I have this root of bitterness and I project it on everybody else, but it is really me. It's really me. And you've got to stop being the victim. Stop being the victim. Woe is me. Nobody has it as bad as me. My life stinks. Everybody else's life is wonderful. That is not true. And you've got to stop living in that. In that mentality will kill you and stunt your growth and you will never move past it. I'll tell you another little story from my life. My mom and dad did really good. And uh, my dad came to Tyler to start a business. I was nine years old at the time. And he came and he had gotten a loan and everything was looking pretty good. But he never started his own business. So he didn't quite know how hard it was going to be. Anybody ever started your own business? You know how hard it is. But he had plenty of money kind of the, at the beginning stages, so we moved to Tyler. We move into a nice neighborhood in a nice house, and everything's great. I'm nine years old. I'm loving it. I love my neighbors. I love my school. Everything's great, wonderful. And two years in, my dad comes home and says, things are tight. I didn't realize how tight this was going to be financially. I didn't realize how tough this is going to be, and we're going to have to tighten our belts. And so my dad tells me two years into it you got to leave your friends you got to leave your neighborhood you got to leave your school and we got to move out here to the business because it's free it's free land and I bought a mobile home we're gonna put a mobile home out here at the business and we're gonna live out here at this mobile home at the business until I can get some cash flow going until we can get this thing going and let me tell you if there's anything a nine-year-old is it's selfish amen and I did not like it. I did not like it one bit. Living out there on this giant 42-acre nursery, didn't have no neighbors, didn't have no friends, came from a perfect neighborhood with all these kids my age, and now I'm out here on this 42-acre nursery by myself, changing schools and living in a mobile home. Nothing wrong with living in a mobile home, but just we had gone from this to this. And instead of taking the proper attitude, and it's hard. I mean, I was, I was uh, well, at this time, I was 11 years old. And so it's hard to have the proper attitude at 11. But, you know, one thing I realized, and then my dad's business, God began to bless him and began to grow. And guess what? That was only for a season. Uh, we lived out there for six years. And then when I got to be a junior in high school, my dad said, man, things have turned around. The Lord has blessed us. And we went back and we... Uh, bought another house in another neighborhood and went right back to that. But listen, here's what I'm here to tell you. It was very easy for me to just be selfish about it and say, well, this, this, you're, you're ruining my life. You know how kids do sometimes? Kids, uh, guess what? Money's tight. 
we got to move. All this nice stuff you see here, uh, we ain't going to have it for a while. What do you think a kid's going to do? I don't like it. I hate you. You're ruining my life. Now, let me ask you this, little children of God. Do we treat our daddy in heaven the same way sometimes? Well, I don't like this. You're making me mad. Selfish. I don't, I don't like this at all, God. I was more comfortable over here, and now you're moving me over here, and it's uncomfortable. Uh, you're stretching me, and I don't like to be stretched. You are doing things in my life, and, Lord, I don't like it. I'm having to wait. I don't like waiting. Lord, you know I don't like waiting. And I'm having to put my own thoughts and feelings aside to make other people feel more important than myself. I don't like that. I like thinking about myself. So at the very root, we become little children. I submit to this, and many of you heard me say this, and when I do counseling, this comes up a lot. When we get mad, we revert right back to little children. I've seen 40, 50-year-old married couples just turn into five-year-olds in the sandbox. And they start throwing things at each other. They start calling each other names. It's pitiful. And I have to stop them. Because sometimes it's happening while I'm right there in the room. And I'm stopping and say, y'all got to grow up. These are two children. You've got to grow up. So what am I telling you? In order to love like Jesus loved, number one, we have to grow up and we have to quit being so selfish. And our love, even when we show it, has to quit being so self-centered. So I'm going to give you a couple of things and then we'll be done on how do you forgive like Jesus. And so forgiveness, that's tied into love. You can't love your enemy until you forgive your enemy, all right? So the first one has two scriptures, but the first one is pray for those who hurt you. Now, you may say, I don't want to do that. Listen, that is very true. I know you don't want to do that, but that's what you need to do. Pray for those who hurt you. Let me ask you this. I'll just bring up something that's been very recent in the news. A sister church of ours in the area, Starville, over here in the Winona area. Pastor comes in that morning, catches somebody who's uh, hiding in the church, pulls the gun on the guy. The guy takes his gun away from him, shoots and kills the preacher. Now, I have a friend. They had a little memorial service uh, uh, at that church. And a pastor friend of mine went to that. And he said there were a lot of people stood up and said stuff. And he said most of it was sickening. Most of it was preachers trying to get a little camera time. And so preachers got up and they were talking, you know, and they were trying to sound all spiritual and stuff. But he said, then the wife of the preacher stood up. And she began to pray for that man and said, I forgive this man. You killed my husband, but I forgive this man. Listen, all that other crap, them preachers, politics pontificating. Amen. But that wife that stands up, that's, that's real. That's real. Amen. To stand up and say, you killed my husband. You killed the man I love. You took the pastor away from this church. But we want you to know as a body of believers, we forgive you. That's a whole other deal, people, on a whole other level. Amen. So pray for those who hurt you. First Scripture is Luke 6, 28. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. If you ever needed to uh, memorize a verse, this is it. 
and you look at that verse and you say, I don't want to memorize that verse. That is not a pleasant verse. That's why you need to memorize it. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. That's pretty specific, isn't it? You ever felt spitefully used? Mm-hmm. Did you pray for them? Probably not. All right. Uh, next scripture is Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 44. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Wow. All right. Pray for, this, is, this went against, and here's why this made the uh, spiritual leaders of the time so mad at Jesus. Because this totally, when he said this right here, this totally went against Jewish law. Jewish law at the time said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Blood for blood. All right? That was Jewish law. So here's Jesus, supposed to be the Messiah, the Son of God, and those Pharisees and Sadducees just, what did he say? No, 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 no. When somebody does something against you, you get retribution right then. That was Jewish law. That's the difference between sometimes our law and God's law. Amen? And uh, so Jesus says this, not an eye for an eye or a tooth for tooth. Turn the other cheek. Give them the other. If they want to take your coat, give them your shirt. All right? Pray for that friend that lied about you. Pray for that boss who mistreated you. Pray for that parent who walked out on you and left you. Pray for the friend who let you down or stabbed you in the back. Mm. All right? Why did Jesus teach this? And if you don't get anything else, write down these four words. You ready? Write down these four words. Attitude precedes right actions. Attitude precedes right actions. You've got to get the right attitude about that person first, and then you will have a heart to go and forgive that person. If I keep this root of bitterness inside of my mind, inside of my brain, then I will always have that root of bitterness. Listen. My prayer for others may or may not change them, but it always changes me. I've, I've tried this. I've tested this out. And when I pray for somebody who said something against me or done something against me, that doesn't necessarily mean that person changed their mind or that they even admit they did something wrong. But I will tell you this. It doesn't always change them. It doesn't always change their attitude. But it does tend to change my attitude towards that person. And that is really, in the end, all that God is concerned about. God is concerned about your mind, your attitude, your spiritual health. Well, you don't understand. They did this. Listen, and all this hatred that's going around in our country right now and all this hatred that's going around uh, and politically and all this hatred that's going around, uh, listen, uh, you get madder and madder and madder. There will be a root of bitterness rise up in you. You know what you need to be doing? <laughs> Duh, what does the Bible say? I need to be praying for them. Replace hatred with prayer. And it may change them, but it will definitely change you. Amen? So love people. Pray for people. Wherever you voted, whoever's in office, whether you did not vote for them or did vote for them, pray for them. Pray for the people who have wronged you. 
Pray for the people that you do not agree with. In fact, I would say this. The more that you disagree with somebody is the more you ought to be praying for them. If they are on the other side of whatever issue you're on, then you need to be praying even stronger. And the farther they are on the other side, the more you need to be praying. Amen? My prayer for others may or may not change them, but it always changes me. So number one, uh, pray for those who hurt you. Number two, forgive as you have been forgiven. Scripture for that is Colossians 3.13. We've probably all seen this. It says, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also, what? Must do. Maybe do. If I want to. If it's comfortable. That's how it's must do. All right? I know you've all heard this. I've quoted this in another sermon. And it's uh, credited to a lady named Anne Lamont. And it says this. And again, I'm just repeating what you've already heard. But it's worth reminding. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Have you heard that before? It's a good comment. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. And I go back again to that root of bitterness. Why do you need to forgive? Even if that person doesn't deserve forgiveness because you are eating yourself alive. When that, un- when that root of bitterness and that unforgiveness is there, you are eating yourself alive and you are stagnating yourself. I know many, many Christians who are just dead in the water spiritually because they can't move past something that they need to experience forgiveness for and they need to give somebody forgiveness for. They've experienced something. Listen, and I don't even try to say, listen, if it happened to you and it hurt you, then it's traumatic. Your hurts and the things, your pain is worse than anybody else's pain. Why? Because it's your pain. You don't care about everybody else's pain as much as you care about your own pain. But I'm here to tell you, as painful as it is, there is forgiveness There is something on the other side, and you've got to move past that. Whether that other person ever admits they did wrong or apologizes or not is not the issue. The issue is God has some other things he wants to do with you, but you're bound up and you can't move spiritually. You're locked in change. And the last thing I will say is this. You've got to forgive. Forgiving someone won't change the past but it can change your future. And you've got to set the prisoner free with your forgiveness. But guess what? Setting the prisoner free with your forgiveness is not that other person. Setting the prisoner free with your forgiveness is setting the prisoner free, which is you. All right? If you would, bow your head and close your eyes. And uh, I always want to give you an opportunity. Listen. Jesus died on a cross for your sins and my sins. And I always want to give an opportunity, and this opportunity is for those watching by video too. If you pray this prayer with me, please just comment under this video and say, I prayed that prayer. But I want to give you an opportunity to say, you know, I don't know that I've really done business with God, and I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. If you mean business in your heart, there's no doubt that God means business with you. And you could just ask him to forgive you of your sins and to save you. So if you would, if that's you, pray this prayer with me right now. Say, Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. And right now, the best way I know how, I ask you to forgive me 
of my sins. I believe you died on that cross for my sins and you paid for my sins. And right now, I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, and save me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time or maybe as a recommitment to the Lord, would you just lift up a hand so I can pray for you? Amen. 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 If you want to share that with everybody, I'd ask you to just come stand right down here so that everyone can rejoice in that with you. Now, maybe you'd say today, Brother Mark, there is something in my life, there is some great hurt in my life that I really need to let go of, and I really need to get past it. And it's going to be hard, but I'm going to do my best. Would you pray for me? Would you just lift up a hand so I could say a prayer for you? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyone else? Hands all over. I hope this message spoke to someone today, encourages you to go and receive forgiveness. Set the prisoner free because that prisoner is you. And it can set your relationship free. It can set your marriage free. It can set your family free. It can set your relationship with your family members and your friends. Father, I thank you for these ones that raised their hand. And I want to pray today, God, would you help them to move past some of the bitterness. God, there is great freedom in just forgiving others and forgiving those who've hurt us. And Lord, there's the greatest freedom in forgiving those who have hurt us the very most. And so, Lord, I pray today that, God, that we might experience your freedom through forgiveness and unconditional love. Lord, we pray for our country. We pray for our leaders. We pray for our president. We pray for our state leaders. We pray for our governor. We pray for those that run our city, God. And, Lord, it doesn't matter whether we voted for them or not. We pray for them, God, that you would control their hearts, that you would guide their hearts like rivers of water like you said you would do. And, Lord, that you would accomplish your will on earth and your will all over on earth as it is in heaven. And we thank you, Lord, that you are on the throne. You're the King of kings and Lord of lords. And, Lord, we just want to love like you love. I pray for this coming week as we celebrate Valentine's Day. And, Lord, may we just show love in an incredible way. And, Lord, I pray for every marriage in this place. I pray for every dating relationship in this place. God, would you just strengthen it? Would you strengthen our relationships and make them stronger in you? Thank you for this day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, I hope that that spoke to you today. I hope that uh, it was something that, uh, that God will use in your heart and life. Now, today, there's a little, uh, some kind of football game going on. Is that right? There's a Super Bowl. And I want to tell you, as uh, Brother Mike used to say, ain't no Super Bowl. If you get out there and you yell and scream at that TV today, you better come in here shouting next Sunday. Amen. All right? Because uh, God's better than any Super Bowl. God's better than any football game. Amen. Miss Judy, stand up. I like Miss Judy. She is representing today. Amen. <laughs> That's good. That's good. If you're going to pick a team, go all the way. Amen. All right. God bless you. I hope you have a great rest of your Sunday. You are dismissed.